I'm some sort of other creature. Lined up. Some sort of strange. You just some sort of strange. Now, did you, were you a, were you thing. were you able to operate around that company or were oh, you yeah. so uncomfortable that you just? Oh, uh, it was easy. Yeah. I would just hang out. Like I've always hung out with older people. I had older yeah. friends in high school and stuff, so I was just like. Like older, like college, or like, older, like. Like I had older shithead friends. Gotcha. Turn this, turn this into a hot, hot again, cold open. Ah, uh-uh. you know what it is. It's Wednesday's teach these devils. Welcome to it, you dumb son of a bitch. Guess what? We don't want no fucking devils in this house. So guess what no, we got? We got no devils in this house today. We got house some Latin ex- excellence. House full of color. Not, I didn't say, you know what I did not say, Yakubian listeners? I said a house full of color with a U. Mm. Myself. <laughs> Chavo. I touched, I touched Chavo's elbow a little bit. Ain't no big thing. It's okay. We're buddies. We have a special guest in the house. All the way on the wings of the winged gossamer from the fucking Becky Mecca. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ramon Rivas. Thank, thanks, man. I didn't understand anything of what you just said, but I think that describes where I'm at. It's, uh, I mean, it describes where you I just heard I just heard, like, land of Beckys. The Becky Mecca. The Be- Becky Mecca. That's what I call Los Angeles and California. Oh, and a Becky being what? Like, just white girls? General, just, you know, white women. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's Beckys all over the world. You're not wrong. I mean, this podcast is called TC's Beckys Devils. all over the world. <laughs> you know who we are. Becky's Becky's all over the world All over the world No yeah I feel like So Becky's are the devils we're teaching? No I feel like you know All devils We're teaching all devils And ironically enough As things would be like I'm like Indiana Jones of snakes where it's coffee You know Mm. what I mean? Like (laughs) That's kind of my whole The kind of spiel I got going on And I don't love white women Because you know like I, I need them Mm. Or I I desire them. I mean, everyone looks good, but I might be related to most black women. And if I have sex with a white woman and get her pregnant, that's one less white. I'm taking away from. Oh them. shit! So you look at us? Yeah, like, I'm calling the herd. Mm. <laughs> we got a lot of. That is a, that is an interesting point that you said about that's what you don't you're worried about being related to a black woman. Yeah, like somewhere down like. Oh, fo- definitely. Probably. Like, what would the distance of cousins have to be for you to be fine with smashing? Not related. Not related at all. <laughs> at so all. any type of ancestry, no. And no. So that like strictly it. leaves you with white women. Black people have it so bad. Damn. And the the pool of black people is so small in America, probably now. Like, how many can you fit on a boat in 1800? Like, honestly. And then, like, half of those are going to die. Like, it's the best of the best. And then it's, like, fucking, of the best of the best. What like, the- how many of them were like, yo, fuck you, I'm not working. And then it's, like, finally, this is all you get. That's probably, like, 12 niggas. Like, really? Damn. So I'm related to every black person, even Barack Obama, even George Bush. Then. So you're going. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have the same fear for Latin women. I'm afraid of being related to Latin women. That's only because, if I remember the story correctly, my great grandfather had 18 kids. Mm-hmm. So mm. you do the averages. Latin people have four to five at a regular Million. basis. My parents are in the lows. <laughs> they had three. Yeah. So. Yeah, my dad. My dad is one of uh, seventeen kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you just. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever had either of those concerns. Um, I just like. I don't know. Um, I know most of my cousins, so I'm like, okay, you can't. Yeah. So yeah. my mom's just people are from New York. My mm. dad's people are from Cleveland, but then you have all the people who are still in Puerto Rico. So I just, yeah, I don't I even, feel like it's too big. If I, I go to Puerto Rico, I'm not good. Cause like my grandpa apparently would just like go down there for like months at a time. So like, mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had like other family down there. <laughs> if I had to guess, you know what I'm saying? Like I was always just like, I can't go down there and run, you know, making sense. Yeah. 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 He was making, he was like running number, the Hispanic numbers and then just like had a second family. And shit. <laughs> that sounds so feasible. Me and Wilson have this ongoing plot point. That maybe our dads are the same guy or back to back karate fought with each other. I mean, that's a it's interesting how the whole type of man that is our dad is very yeah, much the same. Yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like oh my no, no, you had that one joke about how your dad's a cool uncle, but your yeah. dad reminds me of my uncle Chating. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we all got we all got him in the we all got him in the family. You're but, not lying. Yeah, man, like my the the guy, the my grandpa that had seventeen kids and yeah. go to Puerto Rico. His definition of masculinity was a man does what he wants when he wants to, and he doesn't care what anyone thinks, and he provides so he'll take what he wants. 
That's so that <laughs> makes sense to where he's like, peace yeah, out. I'm yeah, just gonna go to Puerto Rico for shit. months. Yeah. My he my dad my dad <laughs> said my dad said that like he would pull like a wad of money out of his. My dad would ask him for like money like a dollar for ice cream. He pull out a big wad of money. Be like, oh, I don't got any change. But then <laughs> go buy neighborhood money. kids ice cream. Like it's just a real like fucked up like just power <laughs> dynamic. And then yeah. so I feel like all of our dads are more. We they came from dudes like that. Yeah. And then they our dad's masculinity is a. A man does what he wants, what he, when wants, he wants when he needs to, when his Dude, needs aren't being met. Very real. So my dad. they run around, kind of. I'm sure all our dads. Mom, hey, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm glad my, my dad mom always said this podcast. Right? My dad always said, "I'd be like, Dad, where are you going?" He'd be like, "You don't ask a man where he's going," and then he'd walk out the fucking door. Yeah, I felt like every time I asked him that, he'd be gone for longer. <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember my childhood and my dad like going places because my dad worked for the sewer district, so he would just go to the bar. And then at the time, I had this weird idea of what the bar was because candy bar. Mm. My dad was so a I Ford this worker. Dude was just eating candy. Oh no, shit! My dad was a straight up Ford worker for thirty years. Your I dad got, was? Yeah, I got fat off of fucking Econoline vans. Yeah, man. And fucking, I drive a Ford right now. Legacy, man. Legacy. It was. I got a deal. <laughs> I'm, I did the exact opposite of everything my dad did. Yeah. I'm not good at fighting. Really? I am not intimidating looking. I think I'm pretty good. I'm okay at fighting. Yeah, like you have your, we all have our dads in us, but we like space from them a little bit, <laughs> oh, but yeah. our hands are still touching them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, wow. Did, did you feel, so since your dad worked at Ford, my dad worked at like the steel mill. Okay. And like, I don't really remember much, but like I remember like uh, I grew up in Lorraine and it was very vibrant when I was younger. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I had no idea what it was at the time, but like NAFTA, the free trade. North American free, free trade. trade uh, that happened. Agreement. And then I, life just seemed more stressful. Like the oh, family yeah. stopped getting together as Got much. Tight. The city started just decaying and so like now you come home from the stresses of your job and kind of like your dad would go out to the bars my dad would just kind of be like all right cool i'm gonna go do this shit yeah because you're stressed and you come home and then you don't want to be stressed around your family so you want to go unwind it's interesting how did you have that same shit with your dad at ford or was it not no man my dad is like a fucking something's either wrong with him or he is fucking the most stoic monster I've ever met in my whole yeah. life. Like, he's an he's example. He's a stuffer. He's an example, dude. Like, he's 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 a person, so he's flawed, but, like, he never... He missed one day of work that I can recall, and it was because his dad died. Damn. So like, that's it. He was never sick. He never fucking, like... I don't. I don't know what. Like I don't know. I feel like I barely got the black experience because my dad was fucking like mm. always home. Came home right after work, as far as I know. Well, like, you got you got uh, you got the experience that everyone strives to to have. I'm, I feel very lucky, and like yeah. growing up as a kid, like people fucking hated me because. I had, like, a good home. And, like, my mom would always tell me that. I was like, Mom, that's fucking really selfish of you to think that. (laughs) Yeah. But, no, like, it was true. Like, people fucking, especially other black kids, like, fucking despised me. Especially kids, like, kids that my dad See, my cousin used to make fun of me. Yeah, me too. They just, just because I enunciated. Is that that something, like, you for real felt as a kid? Or, like, you can look back at and recognize now, but as a kid, you were just kind of... As a kid, like, I I was always a pretty intelligent kid. Like, I was so smart that they wanted me in the gifted program, and I knew it was more work, so I said, no, thanks. (laughs) Like, so, I was, like, fucking very much aware that there was a reason why people didn't like me. Like, there was nothing... I was was the same as everyone else, you know what I mean? But, like, fucking... Now, looking back, I know that my mom wasn't lying to me. Like, yeah. You know, like, it's fucking very weird. Well, it's interesting. Like, you stay, it sounds like you stayed in that group and you felt odd. But had you gone into those gifted programs and mm. been around probably more white people Much or more. more privileged people, I think yeah. you would have felt weird. You would have felt just yeah. as isolated, but in a completely different way. In a like, completely different you way. You felt like, like, with where you stayed, you felt like you were maybe denied a black experience where, had you gone to that gifted program, you would have. We would have had a very different part of the black. As yeah. a kid, like, I will say this. Even with my dad being, like, from, like, literally Martin Luther King walked through his town, like, fucking 1940s Alabama as a youth, like, I will say that, like, other than, like, you know, like, my dad's fucking speaking on how fucking the general appeal of fucking hating white people, yeah. like, but just very lightly. But my mom always told me that people were... 
There's some people that will, you can trust and there's people that you can't and you can tell which ones they are immediately. Mm. Not not in the sense of like black or white. But like... Yeah, it's a, it's a spirit. It's a, <laughs> yeah. It's a spirit that comes through. Yeah. And as, yeah. as a person, like I never really cared about uh, black or white. You know what I mean? Like I don't. But like all I cared about was like the shit that I fuck with like my mm-hmm. whole life. So... Yeah. If you didn't fuck with the shit I liked, I probably didn't fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like, I didn't realize until, uh, some, it's weird how it's something we probably all go through every day, but like, you don't realize it until mm-hmm. I had a friend of my, David Bory, very funny comedian. He had a barbecue at his crib in LA. And the first week he did it, it was just all black and brown comics. And there was one white female comic. Okay. And so we were all able to kind of joke about it and talk about it. And it was nice to have it the other way because it's all it's all because it's always like it's always. And then I've I've noticed from that when people will go somewhere where it's predominantly black, they're like, oh, they're oh, like almost geez. shocked. Like, yeah. oh, this 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 discomfort. They 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 it's obvious. It's obvious a difference and they feel it and they, they're like, oh, shit. And it's like. That's how we feel all the time, yeah. but we're not allowed to be that shocked. Do I saw yeah. Get Out? It was well, like a waking nightmare. You can't the shit that's on your mind when you're there because mm-hmm. like, you're going to be like, oh, shit. They'll be like, wait, what are you, ta- what are you talking worm. about? What like, do what do you mean? mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? We're just at the bar. It's like, uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, growing up for you, like, what was that like? Because you grew up in Lorraine. I've always, like, as a Puerto Rican, I've always known Lorraine to have good, decent, like, probably at the time you were growing up a pretty well-integrated community at the time. Yeah, for the most part, it was, it was, I, I called the racism I experienced in Lorraine very Bugs Bunny-y. Like, it's <laughs> very like, oh, you lazy Mexican. Like, But, but Lorraine yeah. is the international city. Like, mm-hmm. we have the international festival every summer. It's like yeah. food and cultural dancing. So you guys but it was had like one a, of the bigger, like, there was one of the it, bigger blue-collar work spots, It's a too. very, yeah, it is a very much culturally like New York. It's yeah. that, okay. like, yeah, vibrant. Different and, people around and, and the way it came about because there were steel yards, shipyards, auto industry, all within a reasonable distance. Mm-hmm. And the reason my grandfather and all the kids and shit moved up there is they went down to Puerto Rico and recruited people. They'd go to different places wow. to get people to hire them in there cheaper yeah. than they would hire American people. Mm. So it so it kind of like so that brought in this weird and at first there's Polish people there's all it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. it's Polish, not just yeah. the groups of color they would do this just with immigrant groups and so there are po- like there are pockets of Lorraine that were very like this is where all the, this this is where all the Puerto yeah. Ricans live this is where all the black people live this is, but then they would mix and but it's weird to like I was in the magnet programs when I was a kid yeah. so there were. It it was mixed, but it was more white kids in that group. Of course. And then uh, I was one of the last g- classes that had that. And then it got phased out after me. And then, like, all the schools I went to are now torn down. And then, like, Lorraine has more dollar generals than schools. God, and all insane. almost yeah. all, like, the steel plants closed. The Ford is, like, barely kind of open. Like, Ford there's... The thing that gets the most work in Lorraine is probably the... The fucking the MEP center, like the where they try to Dude, the recruitment I, centers. With every the couple of years, yeah, like every couple of years, it, they put something up in Lorraine, and, yeah, and then it's nothing. Yeah, like they, I remember, I just, I just remember seeing so much weird mismanagement of the city as growing up. Like they built, I remember Southview, they built like a new baseball, two new, two new baseball diamonds and a weight shed, and then they tore it down and built a school building yeah. on it and then like Lorraine built like a soccer academy when no one plays soccer here and then it immediately <laughs> closed yeah. and turned into something else but it's just like did you guys not know that wasn't gonna work yeah. like it's like the the, the people who like all there's the white di- kids from Avon aren't gonna go to Lorraine yeah there's like, a di- there's like a di- there's this weird <laughs> disconnect but it can be kind of it's almost not I don't know, PTSD, but like I'll drive around and be like, damn, like this is like it feels like a rural area, but it still looks like a city. Yeah. yeah. So oh, like man. I, because it's empty. It's 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 just so empty. They're just things that were like I said, vibrant when I was a kid or just yeah. Man, caved out now. When I was a kid, you used to be able to walk to Pollock Park. By the time it got dark, you should probably be inside. This was like a little bit later, like probably like in the late nineties, two thousands. Fucking skate up to Pollock Park, ride your bike up to Pollock Park with my cousins and shit, and it's like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Done playing basketball, let's get the fuck home, because it's dark in the rain and it's about to get wild, but yeah. 
I remember my dad telling me stories about living in Lorraine, talking about how it looked like Oberlin and shit. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah. He's like, Lorraine looked like Lakewood. Yeah, you man. can see it. And now, it's what happened? Like, It's just a weird... Uh, you used to not really have to aspire past high school, really. Yeah. Like, you get out, okay, cool, I can go to Ford, I go here, I go there. And then that, once NAFTA sh- shut down and they started, like, laying people off and then, like, moving plants and shit. Now yeah, it's, like, this thing, like, stuff like, no that. one had really thought of getting out yeah. of that mindset. So you just kind of like, oh, shit, now, now you're not ready to do shit. Uh, and then it's... The closest city was Cleveland, and in most of the 90s, like, Cleveland had just a shitty rep in general. So, it's, like, the closest, like, cultural center for you to go to to, like, oh, let me, like, recharge my whatever is doing just as shitty. So, it's, like, there was nowhere. (laughs) There was no, you know, or or even, like, if you got a job in Cleveland, you lived in Lorraine, like, that's, you know, even though it's not far, like, 30, 40 minutes, like, that can be, you know for someone who's not used to doing that, like in LA, you'd be like, Oh, I'll beat someone up for like a 40 minute commute. Like right? no problem. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here it's like a different mindset. Time and distance are a little different. Yeah. So. Man. It's, it's much more accessible. Mm-hmm. I fucking Northeast Ohio. Shout out. This is the Lorraine County podcast. So yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> but uh, welcome to the special Lorraine County episode. Of remind everyone that I'm a Cuyahoga name. But I feel like that's, <laughs> I feel like what I feel like that's just like, we can talk specifically about this, but that's been a lot of parts of the country. You know, I grew up with a most, I grew up in a pretty much black Hispanic neighborhood. And then we had some, we had Chinatown down the street, like a couple blocks away. And then uh, the two, uh, white people I remember that none of my cousins dated was Anita and this dude I played ball with <laughs> named Chip. <laughs> Chip. Chip. I remember Chip's back again. Chip's back. Welcome back, Chip. Dude, Second he used to Chip always get black girls numbers at the Glenville. Yeah. We played mm. ball games at Glenville and he would always get a new girl's number. It was hilarious. <laughs> Johnny Chip Wells was a funny guy. Oh my God. We got Ramon Rivas here, man. Let's yeah, not talk about the, the old the old Lorraine Cause uh, this guy's working on revitalizing, joking at least. I don't know about revitalizing, but <laughs> maintaining. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's making something for people to see. Trying to like, yeah, that's uh, you know, uh, people around here always complain there's nothing to do. That's uh, accurate. Do. It's like, hey, we can give you something to do, right? You know, and it might not be grand, it might not be anything huge, but like that, I started doing comedy shows, and then like a lot of other people started kind of doing their own thing around yeah. the same time not even just performing wise but like you look at the number of people who are like legitimate but like we just left Boca Loca yeah they started doing their food truck like four years ago and now it's like a physical restaurant a now they're about to open restaurant. another restaurant yeah. and they employ people and like there are ways to do there's a ways to, to bring things to people in Cleveland yeah absolutely you did you've done your shows for years I remember mm-hmm. when I started you were already the world I think you were like a Redstone. couple years after you yeah you had Redstone and that was like after you had Bella W's and shit mm-hmm. like that. You've been in for a while. So what got like what got you there? What instead of just doing stand up, just producing? Um, well, I started doing stand up ten years ago. I just hit ten years last week. Congratulations. Thanks, man. That's a um, long time. It's a long time to uh to be just as broke as I was. <laughs> uh, actually I have yeah. Mm. Actually I have yeah. Mm. Actually I have yeah. Mm. But uh, I was <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I had, like, an office job when I started. I was getting, like, I think, like, maybe, like, 13 or 14 bucks an hour to just, like, just be high in an office and open mail and, like, nice. do dumb shit. And I quit that to go do comedy in Chicago for a summer because my friend offered me a job as, like, a chef's assistant where I just have to, like, get up and prep breakfast mm-hmm. and then, like, cook dinner twice a week and I have every night and weekend off and I had a free room and board to stay in. Did you think oh, you were nice. going to come back? I, ju- I didn't know. I knew that, I, like, I told him, I was like, I'm just going to go do this for the summer and, like, they could have easily hired a clerk. They're like, oh, we'll just, you have to reapply when you come back because they wanted to give me a drug test. Uh, I was the last. <laughs> I was the last person they hired without drug testing. And then they drug test- They drug tested everybody they hired after me and I was like, mm, I got you. <laughs> um, but that was about a year and a half into me doing comedy. So um, at that point, I was was not funny enough to work at the clubs. I was going to Bella W, which was the only 
comedy open mic specifically yeah, that, uh, that was every week. Um, and I would just go every week and you, you can't do the show all the time, but like I'd always ask. And if anyone dropped out, I get to go up. Then eventually I started co-hosting that. So I went, took the thing in Chicago and I went there and I did a bunch of, I mean, Chicago is an amazing just yeah, comedy there's rooms city. Everywhere. There's rooms yeah. everywhere. There's different types of comedy as well. So you kind of broaden your spectrum there. And then every night there was a one to three showcases that were really good. And then like multiple open mics and then plus all the clubs. So it's just like, yeah. oh shit, there's, you just get up. Stuff to do. So I got up a ton that summer. I just, I met a whole bunch of my friends who are now crushing it all over the country. Yeah. Um, but at the time we we're just all running these multiple yeah. open mics. And I was really happy. And then summer job ended. I couldn't get unemployment in Illinois. So I came back to Ohio because I just oh, okay. couldn't, I couldn't find a regular job. So I came back, moved back in with my dad. Or no, I start crashing with my sister. And then like in Chicago, I was like, man, I was real happy there. And like none of those shows were anything like spectacular. Like they weren't mm-hmm. anywhere special. Like they were in coffee shops or yeah. like bars or fucking like music venues. Like they were just somewhere in Places laundromats. Where like just, just have shit. Yeah, it was just like all it was was someone just did a show somewhere. It was just yeah. somewhere did a show and then people came. So I'm like, well, then nothing keeping that from happening in Cleveland. So I started that first year. I think it was 2000 when I came back it was 2010 I from when I came back in September maybe August through the end of the year I started like 11 rooms Sam, you were wailing it just like where can I where can I like boom you guys want to try okay cool in each spot I would get to perform at the show I had to get to like book You'd people, book whoever you want, right? Or Which you pretty much just, had to host those rooms, yeah. yeah. And then also like I'd get the venues to give me a little bit of money. So some would work, some would they would fold, and then eventually I found Redstone, and just wound up like running independent shows there. And then uh, I wound up moving the open mic from Bella W to there. Mm-hmm. And by the time I had moved it. Redstone had valued what I was doing to the point they were giving me two dollars a head for every person, person that came that to the show. Up, yeah. So now something I was getting free coffee and beer at, which I don't drink either. Now I was getting like money and I was getting yeah. free food and like I was like comedy's a full time non paying job until mm. it isn't. It still yeah. it still mostly isn't. So now I'm producing shows so that I can perform more, so that I can get better. Uh, as a byproduct, I'm creating spots for other people to perform which i didn't really realize that was like a power i just kind of was like oh well other people can do this so it's fine Mm. um and then um i was making a little little bits of money sometimes so it just that's what led me to doing it is just necessity if i wanted to i couldn't afford to live in chicago I couldn't afford to go to New York or any of these other cities where you can just get up every night. Because I don't have like I I don't have life skills. Like I didn't get my degree. I don't really like have like high end like wine knowledge to be like a server somewhere fancy. <laughs> so it's like I can wait, have wait, like wait, wait, wait. stop. You ain't got no fucking wine knowledge, dog. Nah, I don't man. drink, man. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry. This podcast on, is over. Man, get uh, your shit. Okay. Like, all right, we're done, guys. Simone, yay! But the you know, but like the things that most people are able to do to make like money, yeah. like quick. I don't have those things, so it's like, well, I can be poor in Cleveland. I know how to be poor here. Mm-hmm. I can make a, I can stretch a dollar here. I can do, and I can give people something to do in a city where they Mad say there's frugal. never anything to do. Well, Zam. So that's what that's you know I, I, that's a long answer to just get to where I, I just that's what I felt like <laughs> I'm doing. Broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know I did it because it just it was a, I, I I didn't have a day job at the time I didn't have much going on so it's like, like you clearly had a passion for what you wanted to do yeah so you want to create more rooms and stuff because I, I was wondering if there was like ever a point in your mind where you were like maybe the idea of instead of just being a stand up but also being a producer is a lot more valuable. It's it's definitely helpful and informative of yeah. being a stand-up because I I feel like uh, as a comic, none of us give a fuck about the crowd, ultimately. You're not yeah. like you, I want you to laugh. I want you to enjoy yourself, but I'm not going to adjust what I'm saying to make you feel better. I'm going to say what I want to say and feel like saying... Uh, I feel like I, f- I need a little bit of the crowd. Like Not like no, I you, value you, their no, opinion. Like, but yeah, we need them, but we can't 
put them ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. We can't handcuff ourselves and then go into the situation because like, I just didn't want you to get. If it's only three people listening to me spout this radical idea about how <laughs> fucking vicious, black people. If three people are listening to that, I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. If there's a room of 20 people that are fucking hear that and think about it, I've done something right. And if it was yeah. funny, I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you're still a crazy but I, you know, I, I'm of a mind. You can joke about anything you're willing to get beat up over after oh, yeah. the show. But as a producer, I do care about your experience. So if I do my job right as a producer and I set the room up right, so the spacing and the seating is all comfortable and got mm-hmm. the music good, so when you come in, it's like, oh, this is dope. The lighting is good, and you have a drink, you sit down, you chat, and you're having a good time. If I did a good job producing that mm-hmm. space. Before the show starts, now the comics can come up and they're going to just be able to just do a good job or do what they do. Mm-hmm. And the crowd is set up to like they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. The vibe is good. Now, is there somewhere the they expect to be? It's somewhere they expect to be. I yeah. pre- I want them to feel like even if it was a free show, I wanted you to be feel like it was worth coming to. If it costs yeah. money, I want you to feel like it was worth $10. That was the best $10 I could have spent tonight. Right? I want you to get banged for your at. buck. But as a stand-up, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> you, this is a rated R movie. I, if you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you put it up, nah. But as a producer, I do have like, so that's where like having the standards of like, there's like, even when I like someone, yeah. If your comedy's not to a certain consistency, mm-hmm. I may not be able to just have you on shows. You know what I'm saying? It's like a delicate balance. balancing act, and it's like I don't even necessarily think to it to that degree. I'm like, if I like being around you and I think you're funny, I will put you on a show and be fine with what happens around it. Yeah. But that's because as a producer, I know that the rest of the show is going to be worth coming to. Absolutely. And then you're going to hopefully be in a position to do your thing. Your thing. But a lot of comics don't have that consistency thing. Mm-hmm. They have, they're wildly erratic. They crush sometimes and then they bomb sometimes and they're just like, That's Wah. the thing. Like, I've always said that if you joke, you broke. But look, to even look at that a little bit closer, I think that, uh, and you, you look at, you see fucking high level motherfuckers out there every day that are fucking probably very damaged individuals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like when you break it down to like, okay, if you joke, you're broke. You're broken inside or something happened to you. Mm-hmm. What is the there's something in there that's the genesis of joke telling. There's something that is a catalyst for those people. Um what was that for you? I don't know. Um I recently I finished Dick Gregory's uh autobiography. Uh fantastic book. But he talked in it about um how he grew up on assistance and he was didn't have like running water and didn't like just super poor poverty impoverished to the fullest and he destitute and like but he talked in the book about the difference between being poor and being broke and like that mindset and um but also how he learned shame first at school from other people when they would like they're passing around they were all putting in money from their dads for the uh, relief fund, yeah. right? And he, there's this little white girl he had a crush on. He was like, whatever she gives, I'm going to give the same amount for my dad or give more than that for my daddy. And he would he would hustle. He'd like clean shoes. Yeah, shoe he'd just hustle up to always have a little bit of money. And so the teacher got her thing and then stopped before Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, hey, you didn't, you didn't get mine. She was like, oh, we all know you don't got no daddy. And then so there's a teacher saying this God to him in front of all these kids that he's very like, and he would, the teacher was like, he's just a shitty, doesn't pay attention kid. But it's like, I didn't eat this morning. I'm cold. Like, that's why <laughs> yeah, I'm acting it's out. It's like, there's different. And that, you know, and I, not that I grew up at the top of the lower class. So it's like, I can access a lot of those type of experiences. But he said that kids would make fun of him. Right. Oh, you smell like piss or just that and the other. Mm-hmm. And so what he started doing as a defense mechanism was cutting his own legs off before they could. Ah, making the jokes on making himself. the jokes on himself. So he's like, because I realize it's harder. You can't hate someone when you're laughing at them or with them. With them. 
about themselves even yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you're laughing at them, you can still hate them, but when God you're laughing damn. with them. And so he did that, and then he started just slipping from making some fun of himself first to just burning you first before you can even boom. <laughs> Look at you. Pop, pop, pop. Look at and your so bro. Then that he he says <laughs> in the book he's like, and then people started hanging out with him because he was the funny cut up. Uh, and I can like I felt a similar like I was always like I wasn't fat, but I was bigger than everybody. Like mm-hmm. in kindergarten, I looked like a third grader. So just bigger, so you call me fat. So yeah. I wasn't cool from that. I wasn't the smart. I was smart, but like not. I was lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I wasn't like athletic. I wasn't like all the things that's just oh, that's how that kid's cool. I didn't have those things, but I was funny. So I just leaned into that. Compared to all my cousins, I was short. Yeah, I listened to rock music. I was weird to them. Yeah. And it's like, especially as a Puerto Rican kid in the ghetto, that's weird. Yeah. I'd still listen to Wu-Tang Clan, but it was always like, what do I need to be ready for? Mm. Like that was, it was a mental preparation before going to hang out with my cousin. Cause like I'm either getting beat up or I'm getting roasted. Yeah. So I need to figure out when they start having kids and stuff super early, then my jokes are my Lincoln letter. Hmm. Sorry. From uh, Hateful Eight? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does. <laughs> I haven't seen Hateful Eight yet. Uh, he made up the Lincoln letter just to disarm white people, like their aggression, because this is like, oh, shit, you got a letter from the president? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You're all right. You're one, yeah, of the good yeah, ones. you're one of the good ones. And so it's like humor kind of does do that sometimes. A lot of times it works it'll, quite well. You know, because I, I was talking with James about this the other night. But oh, yeah. Like we the weird. Crazy kind Like the. We have to be self-aware and like know our own self-worth and our own value, but then know that and understand that other people may not value us the same. So we have to be able to know that like, okay, you may come at me crazy because you know this yeah. type of person. And then also have the awareness that someone may not even look at us as a person. And you have to have that running in the back of your head at all times and all interactions. That's the craziest thought to have in the back of your head, though. Yeah, <laughs> so and like, it, but it, it's just part of the operating system. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you just hit like you turn on your computer, it's that shit that just ha- it's just in it. If it's you press Control Alt T, all that stuff that's like heartbeat. Don't forget, <laughs> white people might hate you. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not even white people though. It's not even white people. Anyone. I, I've had yet. Hispanic people who look at me like I'm not a person because I don't speak Spanish. When I, like yeah, there's I always swear. there's always really? something people yeah, will man. use to devalue you. Woo. I remember the first time before I knew what the fuck like how people from Spain thought about Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and mm-hmm. Cuban people. Mm-hmm. My friend was dating some girl from Spain. They're doing a video chat. I go hang in. I go, yo, what's up? And they start just fucking grilling me. But like calling me in. But they're saying shit. They're calling me their version of the derogatory. Monaco. Like, like, oh, you're not. You're not Spanish in any way. Yeah, you're like, like a I'm mongrel. Spanish. I just my people didn't ask to be initial. I'm a guayaba. Yeah. <laughs> like in my head after that, I was tight as fuck about that because it yeah. was almost like when I moved to an all white neighborhood. Oh, I didn't like tell me the fucking Mexican Spanish jokes they think are funny. Yeah, I'm like, that's yeah. not fucking funny. Not that we want it, but we wish it was as okay for us to be mediocre. Does that make sense? Like, there's <laughs> no, there's no impetus. You have to do better all the time. Yeah, we you either have to... uh, uh, people of color, we either have to do better and like do twice work twice as hard, mm-hmm. or we're like fuck that and we just give up yeah. in a certain mindset. Not completely, but you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna. My grandfather, when I got a, a good job, he's like, "You always, or even with baseball and shit like that, he's like, do the best you can without ever hurting anybody." Mm-hmm. And then when I got a new job, it's like, my dad. I told my dad about it. He's like, "No, I don't step. I stomp. <laughs> I don't step. I stomp. <laughs> I stomp. Like, he's, yeah, he's gonna eat people up to get at a better position because he had to. Yeah." It's a it's it's a delicate balance between like knowing your own worth and having the cannibal mindset of like I'm gonna step on you so I can get above you. Yeah. Um it's definitely hard to avoid doing that, but it's mm. also like I don't know, like you, you say it all the time, like you hate white people, but it's like it's not all white people. It's not a specific set of individuals. It's the collective like what hive it, mind. Hive mind. The that dynamic helps me understand how all men are the white people to women. 
Yep, but don't forget about black people, white women. That shit was fun. That shit you was talking earlier at the show. Man, was that funny. shit is in my heart, dude. I've had so uh, so much enough of. Uh, we kind of, you know what? <laughs> we kind of coined it on that last episode. Yeah, too. this is episode of Redacted <laughs> might be coming up, but no, I don't know. Fucking, there's a lot of fucking problems in the whole wide world, mm-hmm. and uh, let's not start with uh, solving the problems. Of the people who were going to the cotillion ball yeah. when their grandpa was cutting my grandpa's foot off for <laughs> running away. Yeah. They didn't, I didn't hear anyone shout. The, there, I forget what. It was somewhere in one of the Chappelle specials, but he was like, he was like, when did we start caring about people's feelings? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like we like because uh, our feelings have been hurt. Right for centuries, Chappelle was very right about that. It was very hurtful. Uh, and it's like anybody and can it, write a think piece about that, but then it's like that's the underlying point. Yeah, like it's like it's it's fine. It's 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 being self aware is something that I feel like we have as people of color, but we kind of take for granted because it isn't part of the operating system mm-hmm. and. Whiteness. I don't even say white people. I I, I think of whiteness as like a priv- more privileged position than anything because I feel like there's Hispanic people, Spain people from Spain, Spain yeah, are very Spain white. Or... Yeah, they're not white, but they're well, mine. They're not they, white. They, 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 they won't like. <laughs> they view themselves as this thumb their nose down Cause, thing because they don't know how to sword it, fight. But just, I, I will always say that they're white because they believe themselves as pure, and it's like but that they straight me black. Yeah. Those Italian niggas is niggas. <laughs> you heard it here first. Just just imagine a boat full of Michael Jordans with giant raw gold hoop earrings coming over with big ass crooked swords, sticking them in the white men and the white women. <sighs> Yao Ming, motherfucker. Uh-uh. It can be very ironic what people overlook within themselves and find problems within others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, oh, but th- to self-awareness, I feel like that is something that you have to actively choose and grow into from a privileged position because it is so when you are able to be careless or uh, only have simple cares of yourself and, you know, it's like one dimensional. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, you know, how does this affect me? How does this affect me? The, that's a mindset that comes from a privileged position mm-hmm. where I feel like, the poorer you are, the more impoverished you are, the less you're able to even acknowledge your feelings about things. But you have to be aware <laughs> of your position gonna... within the. The perfect example of that, of to like to bring that to reality, would be like uh, a white girl at Starbucks goes, "Ooh, I don't like that," but a black grandma goes, "Ooh, that's not good, honey." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between uh, directing. Your fucking fears and hatreds. Everyone's afraid and scared. Yeah. Don't take it out on me just because mm-hmm. you're not as strong as me. No, and, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a lot of it comes from a lack of exposure to each other and a lack of communications. Like, I find no. that a lot of times, like, the the thing that makes us say, ugh, all these, these white people is the same thing that keeps us from talking to them. And from and it's it's like we shouldn't have to we shouldn't I don't want to have to train them to be better. It's like it's fine, yeah. but it's like we can't you can't be as closed off to them as they are to you because right? then it's just feeding and into sometimes each other. It's not even just being closed off; it's just being completely ignorant. Because mm-hmm. it's like when I moved to Avon, that was a whole different world. Yeah. I I was dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Like because even then I had gone to a Catholic like I gone to a Catholic high school in my freshman year. I went to Trinity. But even then, I sat at the same, like, I knew who I was with there. I was like, yeah. I'm sitting at the table with the Puerto Ricans, the black people, and the three Filipino girls who go to the school. <laughs> like, and the one white girl who's going to sit with us. Yeah. And that was it. Does she have the yeeks, though? Or? Huh? Most likely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, before we go, Ramon, how important are yeeks to you? What are yeeks? Yeeks are the cheeks, the cakes, the hams, the oh, yams. Oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a booty man. Are we all have a soft booty? Um, a I don't know. Yeah, I look at um, like if you look at it like a car, which is a very shitty way to look at it. Um, that, yeah, that's could be t- problematic. T- t- titties to a lot of people are like an essential part of the like. I look at titties as like power windows, like 
I don't need them. <laughs> but uh, most they sh- should be standard. Like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> on most most things are standard. Where some people are like titties are my windshield wipers. I don't need them all the time, but when it's raining, I need my windshield. Wipers. <laughs> some people there. Some people is the wheel. Some people like, there's different things. I see what you're saying. So uh, uh, a soft booty would probably be my engine. Wow. Or or my gasoline. That sounds like a rat. We're gonna work on that. We'll yeah, send man. that to you for your podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what? The, this is the most award winning podcast, so I wouldn't even. Yeah, man. I'm, you I made was, it to I the was, top. I was wow. proud. I was proud of y'all, man. Holding Thank down you. the Thank cool you so much. awards, being the lone colored man, bringing in an award. <laughs> I got uh, two awards. I don't know if you remember. Oh, <clears throat> I don't count the other one. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> My grandma does, and that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all. That is all that matters. Um, but yeah, man, it's cool. I mean, it's even cool to, you know, I I started running shows years ago, and I remember both of you coming around, and start starting to like yeah, I was sniffing like and like kind of like. So it's cool to see that the scene is existing enough to where like you guys were able to find comedy. Mm-hmm. You guys were able to go into it, and I don't know that. I'm glad I stumbled into it and I found I took a comedy class and then it told me Bella W, which was the third place I ever did. So mm. I just kind of like found and stayed around comedy. So I don't, you know, whatever small role I played in getting things to a certain point to where you guys were able to come along and, and fucking win awards is pretty dope, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, even though there's not a direct connection, like at all, I feel like it does kind of like it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. <laughs> and like, you can't. You, I don't know. You you can't you can't you have to experience something to know if it's something you want to do. Yeah, does that make sense? So like, it's cool that now there's you can go try. Like someone recently, uh, someone texted me and was like, "Hey, do you know? Uh, are there any like comedy classes or anything around Cleveland?" I was like, "No." I was like, "Just go do jokes. Just, just go, go do, to just go to open mic." Yeah, and then you had to go. And to then uh, they were like, "Oh, it's for my brother. Like, he just wants to. Would you do? Would you be willing to give him a consultation?" I was like, "No." Yes. She was like, you do you know, yes. She was like, "Do you know anyone who would?" I was like, "No. That's really annoying to like sit down and that's just all the twelve hundred. Yeah. All the answers are just <laughs> go do comedy." And I was then I was like, "You know what?" I was like, "I'll give him a. I'll give." Uh, sit down with him for an hour for two hundred dollars. Ugh, ugh, ugh. How about a dollar? I'm like, no, a dollar, <laughs> right? So it's just like you see how exasperated you are, but it's like you want me to sit there and listen to someone who's not willing to just go find, find like, it. like, see if they're going to be able to do it or yeah, not. Yeah, and it's like you could. You, That's not like music. Music, you could pick up a guitar and see if you're good at that. Yeah, you can do that in the privacy of mm-hmm. your own home and mm-hmm. do that. Comedy, you just have to. You gotta go. You gotta go it. fail. You gotta start failing at it. And that's the thing a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around is that they're not gonna be good at it. You know what? Right. I had a really hard time with that because let me tell you, <laughs> your boy was a hit maker from the beginning. Mm. I went to LVT looking for a hot bomb. I wanted to bomb so bad. Took me three weeks, and then when I did, I didn't go back for fucking two weeks. Yeah, I'm bad. It's a bitter feeling. It's a bitter. It's a bitter feeling, but it's like you have to bomb to figure out what not to do. I'm too baseball minded. I bomb, and And then you fucking then I disappear. You start drinking and chewing tobacco. (laughs) (laughs) I need my fucking shit though, man. I don't know how the remote. I don't know how you've made it all the way to Los Angeles. Ten years in the motherfucking game. Hosting, pr- creating, promoting without having some sort of wicked vice. I'm, I'm a sick man. Dude, I need my medicine before I do anything. Sandwiches and weed, young man. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just weed. stuff that people have. I that's mean, it. yeah, there's like weed and like women. Like I've been very like, I've never really dated, but like soft booties have been like. A part of your, your yeah, mindset. Se- sex, like uh, pussy money weed, except like <laughs> no money. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's uh I don't want to say it's like detrimental, but it's definitely like I feel like most men spend tons of mental energy trying yeah. to figure out like all right, can I get it in today? What about tomorrow? Possibly. What about tomorrow? This is uh, a great. You've created your own segue into this. The question that it's hard to ask anyone about. There's a lot of myths and rumors out there floating mm-hmm. around about Ramon's a wretched monster. Yeah. Ramon wants me to touch his. <laughs> Ramon fucking took me to Cirque du Soleil and then he pulled his. 
tout. Uh, I've never took anyone to search so light, but I probably I was trying to help my. Out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like I was just a single dude in Cleveland, and like I said, I was just running shows and shit. And I mean, I've been doing comedy ten years. I hooked up with comedians over the years. A couple were from. Okay. Uh, and so the fact that I was running shows and those couple comics were participating in the shows mm-hmm. uh, led to the. I, I, I'm like you gotta suck my dick to get on stage uh, which is just like I don't know Cody Cooper Cody, 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 great Cody, Cody, Harry you could ask Bill Squire uh, <laughs> no but it's just like I, I you know I, I I hooked up with people I probably shouldn't have hooked up with just cause mm-hmm. it's just one of those like oh cool I'm you know I'm not trying to date nobody you just wanna hang out and hook up cool and some of that was women who were in comedy. Some of that were just kind of women who were just around in, around in Cleveland. And I didn't necessarily have like a deeper care or intention of like dating anyone or like. And that's shitty. Like it's shitty. Like the same shittiness that all our dads have. Yeah. Uh, is is present where? But I felt like I was being like open open and upfront about it but um hmm. it still hurts people's feelings and shit but i i don't oh, know yeah. i wouldn't say i'm a monster but i definitely would say that i don't have like i'm not out here like smooth casanovaing people I, you know i see what you're saying um and like i'm not selling hope does that make sense <laughs> like i think that answers yeah, it yeah so it's just like i don't know like I, the I, 2009 I, election yeah and I, I it's it's weird to like I've had yeah I've been hearing like Ramon's a sexual predator and like I've talked to like my family about it and my dad's like your uncle he's a sexual predator (laughs) Uh, oh my god and that and it's I don't know it's it's one of those like I don't care about other people's perception of me and Mm -hmm. this is like the one example of a time where it's just like oh maybe you should or maybe I shouldn't like I don't know like I know I've been a hoe I've been a fuck boy I've been all these things but Mm -hmm. you know people I can't help people's language and perception never hurt anyone yeah. yeah you know if i heard like if i heard anything of anyone's it was their emotions and it's like i didn't realize i could hurt feelings something. get hurt yeah and it's like <laughs> i didn't i didn't know i was hurting something i didn't expect you to give me wow i guard my emotions because i see how if you joke you broke ramon if you joke you broke like well, i sometimes i'm the same I'm guarded, like I yeah, but you, you're guarded, but you're with. This you, isn't the real me. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't. But within a relationship, yeah. though, so like you have that stable thing where I've kind of like because my life is so unstable, I'm like, yeah. well, I don't want to expect someone. Anybody, just yeah, like, like just, I've I've had one and a half girlfriends. Oh wow! <laughs> and the half one is just a girl who had me saved as a fuckboy in her phone. So I'm like, oh, she probably. <laughs> That's pretty I was recent probably a too. Half. I'm proud of you for changing. Yeah, and I'm trying. Like I'm trying. Like a lot of it is just like no one really told me was just kind of like oh well, it's I just, just think it's a cultural thing because it's like yeah. i could imagine like i think uh when it when it came with me i was when because when i became an active person in active uh, dating dating and, and sexual lifestyle because i wasn't yeah Good god and, and even then it was just like you know i was dating white people mm-hmm. and so when i went post that and i went into my 20s and i just really didn't stay in relationships because i was trying things out i wanted to be single and free yeah you wanted to get better i, be- I wanted to get better and at I, fucking and i think it's kind of like yeah but i kind of like it's kind of like that thing where it's like uh just being a kid from the ghetto and not saying that it's right watching yeah. there's obviously there's obviously a, a, a toxicity within that level of masculinity yeah, and for sure there's a piece uh, of it that hurts people but when you're raised and kind of mired in it it's it's you don't recognize you don't, it because yeah you're, you don't realize you're always you got taught, you're taught at an early age to not give yeah. a fuck because you know what oh it's no hot no one's here. gonna give a fuck about you <laughs> oh it's hot <laughs> here. I didn't realize the water was boiling I got in real early <laughs> yeah yeah man it's uh it, 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 it's like you're raised tough yeah you know? you're raised, you're raised you know kinda just like well this happened yeah and I saw you know I saw like I said I saw the the shittiness of the she fell in love with a dude who had was just as shitty as without any of the redeemable qualities where like like he's he get he's like he's a he a man and like all men are shitty to a certain degree and it's even being a product of your time yeah and like so like you know the the you sing how things her mom bound me that 
Yeah, I'm guessing I have high school sweethearts, or I don't even sweethearts might be just romanticizing it. She uh, knocked, got pregnant when she was 18. Uh, he joined the Air Force, married her, joined the Air Force. Oh, no, anyways. We mock that movie, and then all we don't understand the movie being bad. What was the name of the mic? Uh, um, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, no. I, I know that I, I don't want, I don't want to fucking I can't believe I'm gonna stop an episode teach these devils right now. Oh shit! Because we've been we've been going we've been prattling on for an hour. We didn't even take our traditional break. Oh, we didn't Ramon, I know you're trying break. to go to you're on your way to the show. You're on oh, the way. I mean, I got like you're on the flight away. You got minutes. Well, yeah. let's just take let's take a quick break an hour into the show, and then okay. we'll come back and. We'll get cohesive. Okay. Hold on. We'll be right back on Teachers Devils with Ramon Revis, who's not a monster. I don't know if you heard you fucking shut up. That's all you get for free. It's like, no, there's more. There's more of this episode with Ramon Revis coming to you, not after a short break, unfortunately, but coming to you next week because (laughs) I'm a fucking dirty trickster. This was not part of the plan, but this is just how it worked out. So, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Teach These Devils. What, I mean, I don't know. There was a lot, there was a lot said there, man. Uh, thank you, Ramon, for coming in. And he was literally on his way out of town. Not like, like, not figuratively, literally. He's on the way, making moves. Um, but, yeah, man, um, very interesting episode man's deeper than a pool you know what i mean he's got some stories he's got fucking insights and he's not you know some schlep he has ideas he's seen shit and thanks for coming on um what else oh yeah next week we're gonna finish this episode off so don't fucking even try and miss it don't even wait just beg me for the episode now. It's not coming out yet, but if you see me in the streets between now and next Wednesday, just kneel and ask for the app. It's totally feasible. It's totally possible. No, it's not, because it'll come out on Wednesday, because it's Wednesday, it's Teach These Devils. But I'm going to tell you right now, Teach These Devils is a motherfucking break, dog, and it might be coming up sooner than later, so we'll keep you abreast, we'll keep you afloat, and, uh, Coys and first time listeners of the like, thanks for being here on Teach These Devils. Uh, if it's Wednesday's Teach These Devils, thank you, Chavo, Wilson Chavo Rivera. Uh, thanks for Ron Revis. And thank me, the Jebster, James O'Brasfield. Uh, we'll see you next week for the conclusion of the Ramon Revis episode. Um, that's it, literally. Alright, bye.